Hey, I'm John from Billy Talent, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. So, John, I want to start first off by saying, like, you started this band, I believe, in 93. Now, it wasn't under Billy Talent. I was probably two years old. But was it Pez that was named? Yeah, Pez with two Zs. Okay, so was this, like, I, I'm a wrestling fan as well. So, like, when someone says about the Zs, it's like the Hardy Boys had a Zad, the Dudley Boys had a Zad. Right. So it's like, was it just a common thing back in this time frame where it's like, S's are uncool, man. Well, no, well, Pez, well, there's the Pez dispensers, right? And I yeah, think, yeah. I think we were, we were scrambling for band, band names. We had gone through a couple, uh, the other one, uh, was called the zigzag. We, we were throwing all these like stupid names out. And, uh, I don't know. I, I believe like we were, somebody had a Pez dispenser around or something like that. And we're like, what about Pez? And we're like, Oh yeah, that's a good name, but we should put two Zs because, uh, we don't want to get in any trouble. So that was the, the Genesis of that. You know, we were in high school. Regrettably, we named our band, uh, Pez. And that lasted probably about eight years before we started getting, uh, the irony, uh, right? The irony. Yeah. Like, we're going to put it with two Zs. There's no way, there's no <laughs> way we can get in trouble with this. And the next med- an American band says to you, no ideas. Yeah. No ideas. Original. <laughs> yeah. I, although I will say like when I, when I looked up the history and seen that was called Pez is like, okay, interesting. But then like going from the name, Billy talent, I love it that it says it even in Wikipedia, that's like, even their fans are confused. Cause they thought that the lead singer's name was Billy talent. And I was like, dude, I've been on this earth for like 30 something years. And like, yeah, I know the guy's name is Benjamin. But I was even kind of like, wait, so who is Billy and where is his talent? Like, did he just like, was there a guy named Billy in this? No, that's fair. But (laughs) it's like when I see that's Benjamin, I'm like, man, breaking Benjamin. But I'm like, oh, wait, they couldn't be called that either because that's another band. But I was just like, (laughs) you could have claimed that. Yeah, we we could have had lots of choices. Actually, and Billy Billy Talent was uh, Ben's idea. He brought, he brought, he tabled that when we were trying to find a name change. We just liked it. We liked the the story of Hardcore Logo and where it came from and the kind of the cockiness behind the name. We were, we did realize that he was going to get confused with Billy. It still happens all the time. Well, where's Billy? I love Billy. It's the burden that he has to carry on his back, and <laughs> it's pretty funny. I'm pretty sure, like, I, I will say this much. At its peak, like, I know when they had, like, some 41 – Simple Plan, Avril Lavigne, like all these kind of like punk rock kind of, I, I guess to some extent now, like there's a generation that would call it like emo punk. I don't know. Genres just crisscross all over the place. But I remember like watching much music and you'd see like Surrender come on. And I'm like, what, 10, 11? And like now being older, I can relate to that song a lot more. But right. 10 or 11, I'm just like, man, you guys sound so sad. Like, <laughs> I guess it's a big deal because Canada's music scene at a point where they had much music, it was like a real, you'd be proud to go out and have your iPod or something and be like, yeah, man, I'm listening to Billy Town. Like I was listening, I was playing like an NHL 06 game with my nephew the other day and like yeah. shows you my age. Cause he was like, what the fuck is NHL 06? I was just like, come here, we're going to sit down and play this whole game. And like the first song that comes on, I believe is like, I think it's like red flags. Yeah. It is red flag, like, yeah. I love that song. 
but but tell me a little bit about like the hype of i guess when you first got your uh record deal the first album and like the success because i guess like being canadian at some points has its kind of like i guess asterisks where it's like oh they're just a canadian band like yeah we know them in canada but then to get worldwide famous it has to be a big deal like tell me the whole high um you know it's it's amazing because it's really hard to sit back and uh, and reflect on it and enjoy it because we're always trying to keep it going it was pretty wild thinking about it uh, back at it and uh, it's today is like a like somewhere around this week is the, the 20th anniversary of that first record coming out and it happened really fast like we were an independent band for you know almost 10 years and uh well it was 10 years before that album came out we had released a couple of tapes uh, a full-length cd and then in, when we changed the name we released an ep as billy talent yeah and uh that ep ended up you know catching a lot of momentum in the city we always kind of had a little bit of confidence in our band we thought we were a cool band we really felt like we were different than everybody else and in my heart i always knew that if we were able to get our foot in the door nobody would be able to close it so you know it happened in a great way because we worked really hard at it and then and there was ups and downs and almost a breakup and all this stuff in that first 10 years. And then when it was, when we were actually getting an opportunity, it was, everybody was just like a laser focused on making sure that it was going to work out. Ended up signing a publishing deal and then getting a record deal and working on the songs for that new record. We had a handful of songs written. And at the time, uh, Ian, he, he was on unemployment. He was an animator. His contract expired and he didn't he didn't like animation and he just took the, the chance to go on unemployment and write songs and to really take a stab at, at the, actually this is even before we got some buzz to take a stab at like let's do this band thing again like really hardcore. He must have been hitting like some sort of songwriting confidence ignorance also like just like just coming up with really unique ideas and the guy's a savant. Yeah. He always has been. And then Ben, too, is uh, those two guys always were the drivers of the band right from the beginning. They were the ones that were, we can do this and I'm going to put all my energy into this. And this is it. Like, I don't care about anything else. Aaron and I both had backup plans. You know, we were like, yeah. OK, yeah, we're good musicians and we want to be in, too. But, you know, we both had good jobs and things like that. And so it was those two guys really really pushing it at the beginning writing great songs and we would rehearse and everybody was uh you know uh, involved and then when, once we got that foot in the door and got some interest on in the business side of things it, there was a just a the laser focus between the the four of us all at once and it's a powerful thing when you got a team together and everybody is is on that same page and giving it uh their 100 percent with all the common goals and uh, the same type of work ethic. So we started writing those songs and jamming a lot. We were working with uh, Gavin Brown, who kind of helped us identify what was really strong about our band. You know, he listened to our, our demos and our songs and say, you know, th these, this is, this part's going on for too long. Yeah. You don't need that part. These lyrics are kind of good. You could do better. And he really helped us like kind of identify what was really strong about our band and where to focus. And uh, we were coming up with our own unique ways of delivering our punk rock. And it just was a really magical, lucky moment. That part of the th was just working really good. And then we, we got lucky. And then Canadian, once you're inside the Canadian music industry, becomes quite small. The people that were 
you know, in positions of power, like agents and lawyers and record people, once they got kind of on board, that really helped push us over the edge too, because now we're getting support by people who matter. Yeah. So we got a great agent that we're still with our lawyer. Uh, we're still with his firm. He's gone on to like, he's running like big companies now, but it's still his firm. And we're working with uh, like our day-to-day lawyers, a different type of person. And we're still with Warner. So when we had that, that stuff going for us, it's like a, uh, it was a powerful machine. And then uh, we got some great tours and, and really you can only go so far without fans. And we got a couple of great tours early. One of them, uh, the most important one was opening for Sum 41 when they were releasing their second record. Uh, we did a cross Canada tour with them. You know, we were getting put in front of 3000 kids every night that were just primed to be fans of our band. Like, and every single one of them, it seemed like really liked the opening band and, uh, the record came out and it, it did like right away. It, it's, it started like doing really well. It did pretty decently in the States. We, we ended up signing a, a U.S. record deal with Warner as a, a, a part of it. And then with that, all the, the affiliated labels around the world, you know, they have their fucking conference back then they had their, they have their yeah. music conferences and the American label, like these are the artists we're putting out, you know, if you want to put them out, they're available. And the, and Germany just love the, the record. So they started bringing us over there. Uh, the, it was called East West at the time and they were affiliated with Warner. Yeah, so they released a record in Germany and we ended up getting hooked up with a promoter out there named Bernie, who, who works for this company called Scorpio. He's one of the top guys there and we're still with it. He still promotes our shows and, you know, he put us on great bills and, you know, it just all, everything worked like the way it would work uh, organically in just the perfect way. So, you know, with our video, we took a lot of pride in our videos. So we made great videos, much music, loved playing them. MTV in Europe played the shit out of them. And it just, back then that was kind of the way we connected people. There's no social media, no YouTube even. So, you know, it just worked. It just worked like in the right way. I like the, like the journey that it takes because like, you know, with anything in life, when you're trying to come up with something, like you might have the idea, but it's like, how do you get to this idea? And like, you know, of course you mentioned about forming the band back at school, but I like that when I was doing the research, like you all have different backgrounds and interests, like to kind of help even create like just your demo album. Cause when you mentioned about Ian being the animate, like the animator, I call him. Yeah. It's like, like, I remember growing up and watching Angela Anaconda didn't think yeah. it was that bad. And then when I realized that like he was, I was like, that's kind of cool because like as an animator, like I'm looking at now coming out of school as a, just say if you're in radio or broadcast and your first gig is being on like, I, I don't want to like dismiss it. Cause some people are like, really, you're going to compare that to Angela Anaconda, but it's like a CTV. Like that's kind of like, it's still a nice gig to have. It's like there are yeah. people that are my age that watched Angela Anaconda and thought it was like the creepiest shit in the world. But there was yeah. someone like myself that would be like, man, Angela Anaconda's on. I know it's probably a, a weird animated show, but I'm going to watch it. But imagine like that's your first kind of like, break in the door and like benjamin i think he was on like the edge yeah he, he was working in radio and that was uh that was that was great for us too because he would meet people yeah. yeah and then that kind of brings you into like the, the i think it's like the girl that he was there i think it was like jen or like that worked there and then she ended up going to warner music so jen hurst uh yeah she is uh she's the reason the very, uh, the very first, she was the one that got her foot in the door. She was working for some indie label. I can't remember. 
And then uh, she was interested in the band. Ben had given her a demo once when she came into the edge. And uh, when she was applying at Warner as a junior A&R, they asked her what bands that she's interested in. It was part of her interview process. And we were on the top of her list. Okay. And uh, then she got that job and then she really tried to, to sign us and she got us a, a, like a demo deal. So they gave us like 10 grand to go record some professional demos. And then she introduced us to a couple of producers, Ian Blurton, Gavin Brown, and, uh, I don't think that those were the ones of significance and we, and, uh, we met with them both, but Gavin was, uh, he, he, he's, he was, you know, very convincing that we were, he was the right guy for us. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so if it wasn't for Jen, none of, none of this would be, I would just wouldn't be sitting here with you. I mean, this might sound like a boring question to you, but like when someone gives you 10 grand and you're just starting off, like, how do you distribute it? Like, how do you know where to go? Like if someone handed me 10 grand a day and be like, okay. No, we went right to Steve's music and updated, up, upgraded all of our gear. Okay. We all needed better gear. We needed better gear. We've been playing in a band for 10 years with shit. Yeah. So we went and bought, I bought a new bass uh, and, uh, and a better amp and same with Ian. We got a PA for our studio. We just spent it on the band. That's how, And that's been our kind of ethos the entire career. Whenever we get money from a label, we just pumped it back into the band. We Now we have a studio in the east end of Toronto, and it's like kind of our headquarters, and that's where we do our records now. It's, uh, we've always been smart that way. It's important uh, for whatever you're doing to make it sound as pro as you can. Yeah, like even in, in this type of environment, I think uh, like – unless the content is like incredibly uh like goes incredibly viral and you just have some sort of like magic that is undeniable then maybe and there's indie bands like that that sound like shit but they're like even the white stripes when you listen to the production quality it's not that good but the songs are undeniable and it works so there's obviously different formulas here and there but we also we're playing like ibanez's and like these garbage guitars and so it, and we wanted nicer gear. So yeah. it, it was great for us. We were all just poor college kids, like some of them living at home and other guys just like struggling to pay rent. So when did, like, I know you kind of went through the whole story of like the, the band and its success, but like, when did you like personally think like, okay, we're kind of a big deal or we're hitting our stride. Cause I'm like, I'll look at some bands and like, I'll give you an example of like, for me, I grew up listening to like, say, Backstreet Boys, but like, I never really knew when they hit their stride, but because I was too young when I was listening to them. And then by the time I was older, I was like, sure, I was always listening to them. But like with Ed Sheeran, I remember my friend introduced me to Ed Sheeran in Carlton. And like the first song was kind of like, I think it was like, give me love. And I was like, dude, it's not really what I'm into. And then, but like, you'd gradually get in a few more songs and you're like, okay, now I kind of like, okay, I like the A team. I like this, but like now it's almost like, okay, he's a big deal. But like, yeah. when did you Is he ever? Because I feel like in Canada, like it's it's one thing to be big in Canada, but like to go other places. Like I read somewhere, like I think it's like the second album you have with Germany. It's like two times platinum. And like I'm just interested sometimes. At like why? Like why Germany? Like why? Like you know, sometimes it could be like, yeah, China thought you were big, and you're just like, what? Like what? What made us? Yeah. Well, there's there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of stepping stones along the way. Like I remember first time feeling like holy fuck like yeah. it was we i don't know if you've ever heard of the horseshoe tavern it's uh, a definitely yeah okay so it's a very important rock club in toronto it's small yeah. 
250 cap or something like that. But the Rolling Stones would play warm up gigs there. Uh, it's the most famous venue in Toronto. And we had played there a bunch of times in front of nobody, five, 10 people getting gigs here and there. And uh, actually the first time we played there felt like a big deal, even though there was probably our, just our families. Yeah. Your dad, you got this Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you go to college. Um, anyway, uh, we, we got a gig there one night and that it was after where our demo had been uh, out and we had signed our publishing deal and made a couple of songs and there was a buzz and there was just a buzz and we were playing um, like Canadian music week and North by Northeast. And um, we were getting really great like reviews back then they would do report cards for the bands and we were getting the highest scores and all this shit. But anyway, we played a gig at the horseshoe and the lineup was way the fuck down queen street. And we're walking in we're like who the fuck who's like what's going on here and then we realized it was that that lineup was for us and that was just that that was like a, just like an extremely satisfying moment couldn't believe it like you, you couldn't imagine that feeling like holy shit it's not our family these are strangers <laughs> and they're lining up it's like wild or someone's family member has a lot of explaining to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then after that, you know, we got the deal, the record deal and stuff and videos going on, uh, much music and things. And we have that tour with some 41 and there's all these other things that are happening. It, it just was kind of like a very like fast climb to having number one songs in the radio and number one videos, I think like, and then winning MTV or much music video awards and Junos and on that first record, new group of the year and all that stuff. And it was like, it was hitting us. It was coming super fast, all this success, but it was really like hard to process. You're just in the moment. And then in terms of Germany, like we went over there on the first record and did some tours and, and it was so much fun. And just near the tail end of that record, we did a tour with, this band called the beat stakes and they're just incredible German punk rock band. And, uh, you know, it was at our, uh, our promoter guy, we were going to cancel the show cause we couldn't afford to go over. And, he, and he's like, you cannot not do this tour. You have to come. And he figured out a way to get, get us a little bit more money so we could fly over. He drove the van, uh, and we did that tour. And that was the same type of thing with the sum 41, tour it's just we got put in front of all these kids that were primed to 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 see us so it was a great tour we go home we're done touring after long like 18 two years 18 months two years or something like that and we start working on the next record and that that's when it, it kind of like holy fuck man that was wild like are we going to be able to do this again and i really distinctly remember am i ever going to get back to germany like yeah, that was just the time of my life. And I'm 27 or 28 years old or getting like older and fixed personality, understanding what's happening to me and not taking, uh, not taking it for granted at all. Like, yeah, that was another good thing about having it happen in my late twenties. We all had fixed personalities. We had all been working day jobs and struggling and doing that stuff. So we like, it was, it was, uh, really, uh, it felt privileged and, uh, like unique and we didn't want that to happen. But I remember thinking like, fuck, if we don't re release a great record, it's like, what's going to happen. And I'm being afraid that maybe I would never get to do that again. And I didn't appreciate it enough or whatever. Do you find like, again, cause we're a little bit like the older side of like, I guess the twenties, it's more or less like, cause I know I'm only like 32, but I felt like, 
you know, now I'm looking at perspectives of things differently. Like if I was like 20 years old, like, I don't know, it's comparing like basically apples to massive oranges, but it's like, I, I was coaching soccer this year. And it's like, I don't think if I was 20 years old, I'd be like as invested in coaching soccer. I might be there just like, like, like fine, I'm coaching, whatever. But like this year when I was coaching, I was like very invested in like making sure the kids had fun. This goes, and I feel like I kind of gazed at maybe in like the later twenties of like, I'm realizing like there's a few things on my bucket list that I'd like to just check off to say I've done. I don't think we would have got to the same place uh, if it happened in our early twenties, just because of that perspective. Or maybe we would have, but we would have been different people or we wouldn't have appreciated it or we would have became alcoholics or, uh, and that happens, man. And I've seen it happen with bands that, that were coming up at the same time that were younger than us. And like, they, they didn't know how to process it, you know, where we were just like, this is fucking rad and I'm not going to screw it up. Like all of us were like that, even though we've always had our, our good times and, uh, but there was always a, between the four of us, a general, uh, focus on on making sure that we we wanted to be like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Rage Against the Machine and these bands that had big long careers and that that was the that we had our eye on the prize and, and we still do so anyway when we did release uh, Billy Talent two and it came out number one in a whole bunch of countries Germany included and that that was a really really gratifying thing and and that it was also a little bit of validation like we're on like the, the this is on we're gonna do it it's our names on it. And it's going to be there for history, every performance, everything. Like we had rehearsal today. We're going, we've been touring like mad and we had three weeks off, but we still got get together to jam for the week to make sure that we're going to be sharp for our tour, which starts on Wednesday. In general, the people that make it successful and whether it be music, sports, journalism, anything, they have that ethos of that. that I want to do it good. And my name's there and it's, it's a legacy type of issue, you know? Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know you're thinking who doesn't, but ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors, activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn, Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. Now, I want to ask you, like, because... Again, with highs, there's lows. And I mean, some people be like, great, great intro, Brian. Great to like just topple into it. But I want to mention it because I think it is important. Because again, I'm a person with disability. Like I'm open about it. But like you actually have a band member that like Aaron. Now he's battling like MS. But like yeah. how's, how's Aaron doing through this process? Uh, well, he's stepped away from, from uh, playing professionally. His legs just have betrayed him. That's what MS does. It, it's degenerative. His, he's just not capable of, of doing what he has done. Uh, and it's been terrible and really, really difficult to watch him uh, have to go through this uh, and then watching him deal with it. The dude is 
the most impressive human I know. It's not only his MS, he's had so many other tragedies that happened to him. He's even had open heart surgery as a pig valve in his heart. You know, he's, he's an inspiring man. Um, for him, most of it's a mental battle now, of course, a physical battle too. Uh, but he's, he's accepted that part as, but dealing with the, that, the, the, you know, the, the anguish of, of having something you love taken away from you is a challenge for anyone, even the strongest of minds. Uh, and I don't know anybody that's stronger of mind. And it's probably another reason why we, we've achieved what we, we have because, uh, you're going to make me cry, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the only reason I brought it up was because when I read it, I was just sort of like, you know, you're part of a band, you're part of a success. And then to see it kind of like kind of get taken away from you. But like when I read, like even on tours and stuff, doctors were saying like, you could lose like, your lack of vision. You had to go through, like bring a mini fridge on tour at certain points for them. And I'm just like, man, that's yeah. it. Because like, if someone told me tomorrow, like Brian, like you gotta go on tour, but you gotta take this up. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm out. And they'd be like, wow, pussy. And I'd be like, I, yeah, call me that because I'm, I'm done. But this well, they, they told him, they told him that he wouldn't be able to play drums and like, you might as well just kind of throw that aside. Yeah. And he just said, fuck that and released four studio albums, toured the world, accomplished incredible things, won Juno awards. Now he's, a, he speaks sometimes for the MS society and, um, you know, he tries to do a little bit of motivational speaking and, and things like that. And, you know, he, he's, uh, he's made the best of a, of a bad bargain. No, that's for sure. Cause like, yeah, like I, I think there, you had a, like a song, I can't remember off the top of my head, but like it was supposed to be dedicated to someone going through the struggle. And then it was like, he tell, he told fans after. Yeah. That was, this, this is how it goes off the first song on the first record. Yeah. But I like that. Like, I guess it's again with fans, like some fans like to know everything, but I like the fact that like, in a world now with social media, it's easy to dig up stuff on people. But yeah. I just like the fact that the time where it's just like, you do have a little bit of privacy. And I do like that if you're a genuine fan, you kind of give them that space. But like, I'm just curious. Cause I guess there are points and times that do you still get like messages of people like asking these questions, like how certain people are in the band or like, well, yeah. And that's actually one of the difficulties that, that he faces. Uh, and one of the reasons why he, he, he's, he's stepped back because when he's out with us, he can't, he'll come out on the road every once in a while, but he can't play. And everywhere he turns, every which way it's somebody's, Oh, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, and then it just like, it, he has to talk about it all the time. And he's like, fuck man, I don't want to talk about it. He toured for fucking 15 years and we yeah. never, we never brought it up at all. Like I just treated him. Uh, I would call him a pussy if he couldn't walk somewhere. Yeah. Excuse my French. Those are old words. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I said earlier, so I'm, I'm partially to blame. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, it would just, it, we wouldn't think about it. And he, he'd be like, sometimes I, I think back and I think about how much of a fucking idiot I was, but he'd be like, oh, like we, we would walk to a bar or something that was a couple of kilometers away and we're all too cheap to take a cab. I'm like, let's just walk back. It's only 45 minutes, like whatever. And, he would just do it. And uh, now looking back, it's like his legs were probably killing him. He played a show. We walked 45 minutes through the bar and, and now I'm making him walk back and like, but you know, we, I think he appreciated the fact that we never, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just, uh, that's the way it was. And it wasn't until like we were writing afraid of heights and we were working on that and we did some summer shows and we started to notice that like things were slipping and, 
kick drums were getting missed and we just brought it up and and uh he just kind of came clean as he had just hit another stage of struggle and yeah and we had to take a break and he tried really tried hard to figure it out and take new medicines and change lifestyle and everything like that but nothing was working and it got to the point where we didn't know what to do and and that's that's when he just said like I don't want this to stop you guys and let's, let's, let's figure something out while I work on my body. And that's when our good friend Jordan from Alexis on fire stepped in and like, he was that just incredible. Tough, though. That has to be the tough spot for like, I'd say him, like, you know, to put himself in of saying like, okay, like it's almost like you're in the room, you know, that that's kind of maybe like, you know, you're kind of trying to decide, okay, I want to continue with you, but we got to work on this. And that's a struggle for him, but to, for him to kind of be like, you know, kind of, I, I know it's an old phrase, but it's like the, to man up or basically take on the responsibility of like, guys, I don't want to be like bringing you down. Like, I guess I got to eliminate myself from the situation. Even though it's yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I still can't imagine how, what his nights were like when he was thinking about it, you know? Yeah. It, I, I guess it's like, it has to be a hard point to like, come to for yourself to make that decision. But I guess the other side of it is, is like, if you continued on and you're kind of like missing spots, I'm like, I'm sure he'd be like, all right, like I'm getting frustrated. They're getting frustrated. And then eventually that could have like led up to a, a worse situation. Yeah. It just, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't have worked like his, I don't know if it would ever have gone to that spot. His um, standard was high, you know, he wanted to be, and all of our standard is high in terms of musicianship and everything like that. So yeah, man, it was a, that was a dark time for us. And um, you know, it still sucks. You mentioned about going on tour. Like, do you have like certain places that you have in mind? Is Newfoundland on the list or is it more or less like, uh, no, we're, we've done Newfoundland. We're not going back there. We got too drunk and it's not, gonna <laughs> uh, probably did get too drunk, but that, that, that would want to get me back. Um, it, we just, it just kind of unfolds on its own. When we got new material out and we're planning a tour, you're kind of a lot of a lot of it hinges on the offers that you get and and how good our agents uh you know at routing up a tour and figuring out where we, we should play and it's their job to look at the fucking statistics and all that stuff and come up with that you know we're gonna put on an, a, an amazing show that's our job we love to hit the world we love to play uh the shows are always good so you know kind of doesn't matter where just like wherever they put you, you're just like, all right, we'll just go out there. And we, we, well, we do have, a, we do have a lot of say, a lot of say, but it's a, it, it's a big team effort. That's, that's fair. I, I do. I, I want to just say like, I do appreciate though, the fact that you did make the effort, like, at one point to come to Newfoundland during the high, because it's just a, like, you know, it, it was our last gig before COVID was in Newfoundland. We did two, actually the second last gig we did, we, uh, we wrapped up all, all the riff afraid of heights touring in Newfoundland. And then we did these two random shows opening for, uh, this gigantic, huge German band called the Totenos. And, and then we shut it down and we, we said, Oh, we've worked so hard for so many years. We're going to take a year off. So we take the year off and then COVID hits. And, uh, so we're off for another two years. So we were off two years and 11 months to the day between shows in Newfoundland. So the last show was in Newfoundland and the first show starting back up again was in Newfoundland. That's when you and make we'll, the joke of like, we've always been around. You just haven't seen us because we've been at the bars. 
Yeah, and we'll go. We're definitely going to go back. We have got a good relationship with the promoter out out there, and the shows are are, are worthwhile for sure. Uh, it's in it, like yeah. So we'll be we'll be back in Newfoundland, no doubt. There's de- yeah, because it's going to be like there's definitely a generation like myself of kids that like yeah we've heard you on like much music, but for me, I think the first taste of Billy Talent was basically through like an NHL. Game. Yeah, well, you're not and the only one. Like, like, there are like even to this day, I'll go on my iPhone and there are bands that's like NHL 22, and I'll be like, never heard the band, like the song. Then I'll go through their library and be like, oh, I like this song too. But it's like I don't even know if there's like, because I feel like the NHL games, yes, older play, like older people still play them. But like I'm looking at my nephew, he probably just hears the song, and then if I have it in my song or like in my car, be like NHL, know this song. Like I think there's like Carolina Reaper. And he like yeah. loves that song from the like, <laughs> NHL 22. And he's like, Oh, you got that? I was like, yeah. Cause I heard it and I liked it too. But then he's like sick song. Isn't I'm like, you're like 10, like just settle that. We got a, uh, we, we, we had one of our songs in the most, uh, in a, a Tony Hawk game. Cause Tony Hawk is, he likes our band. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's amazing how it connects to people. And I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we like, we still, we still, acquire young fans you come to our show and we have it's not just old guys from <laughs> the generation that was in high school when we came out like it's it's all ages and it's generational and it's pretty cool man they're probably like it's probably like you know how you get younger fans today it's some someone somewhere along the way uses like a tiktok song. yeah yeah, yeah like, that happens it, man it's, it's, like, it's a different world man yeah like I grew up with Simple Plan, so I know their like whole kind of album and stuff. But like then when I go on TikTok, my my niece came in one time, and it's like a trend of like I'm just a kid. I think that was the song that they used, and okay. I was just like, man, someone at Simple Plan is loving this right now because they're just they're like, we we're hitting a stride again. Like I know, I know those guys are definitely loving it. <laughs> yeah, like there's a younger fan base now, and I'm just like, listen. Like I love the band, but after one point of scrolling through TikToks, I'm like, okay, it's a trend. Get it over. Like, we just did some shows with them in Europe um, at some festivals, and we toured with them too. They took us through the states, and uh, you know they're they're good dudes. And uh, but it was we we well we hadn't seen them in a long time, and, and we have some young crew people with us and a couple of girls, and they're in their early twenties. Yeah. And they just, they were just, they, they were head over heels to see Simple Plan and they knew every single word. And I, th- I found that pretty funny. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.
Johnny, to kind of to kind of wrap it up, I like to have like a fun game here at the end where we call it. Um, it's just kind of like random questions. So sure. that literally, I have no control. It's like a question generator. Um, okay. Again, oh. if it's a question that you're like, like, screw it, I'm not answering it. You can toss it to me, or you can just basically like f it. I'm not. I'm not worried. I've done a lot of interviews. Okay. All right. <laughs> so the the first random question they have here is, do you remember the first time that you ever felt afraid, like physically afraid of something? Yeah. Yeah. I was in the, uh, the, actually it was not, it was pre the rock climbing club in, uh, high school. And, uh, my friend's dad was the, the guy that started the club, but he, he had taken us rock climbing a few times prior to that. And you have to do the rappelling. Uh, so you, you physically got to launch yourself off the, Oh, of the mountain. Yeah. And I just, that was just terrifying to try and like step back off of a mountain, even though you, your mind is telling you you're safe. Everything is cool. You're safe. You're in your harness. Everything is good. You've watched five people do it already. Something could not get me over the hump. And I remember my dad just like, come on, you can do it. You got, you got to go. It's just giving me a hard time about it. Thanks, dad. That's exactly what I need right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, can do it. <laughs> it's fine. I, I'm, I'm, I am my dad's son. So I, I understand where he's coming from now. I got him back about uh, probably half an hour later because we had to go into caves and I wasn't afraid of the cave, but he didn't want to go down. Yeah. And I'm like, you just made me, you just made me repel. Yeah. So yeah, we were giving each other shit that day, but that, that is something that, that stands out uh, on first, first thought. What bands did you grow up listening to? Uh, well, early, like as a, before I met, they got into high school and stuff like that. When I was really making my own choices, I got exposed to a lot of rock and roll through my older sister. And uh, so at the beginning, I, I remember buying um, uh, Who's Greatest Hits, uh, Black Sabbath, We Sold Our Soul for Rock and Roll, uh, David Lee Roth, Crazy from the Heat, like just the EP. Uh, and those were the three, uh, tapes that I had that I listened to a lot. And then, uh, grade school, it turned into Guns N' Roses and Metallica. And then high school, it was the, a lot of the grunge era, like Nirvana, Chili Peppers, um, Soundgarden, Raging Against Machine, all those Lollapalooza bands. When I was 18, we went to get, we got to see all those bands, Tool, Ministry, Primus, uh, the nineties, especially those early nineties, alternative bands, Pixies, uh, but you know, classic rock, uh, starting to like get into like experimenting with drugs and stuff of like that, like all the psychedelic rock, like Jimi Hendrix and, uh, Pink Floyd and all that stuff. It was, it's all there and it's all in our music. It's all over the place. Cause Ian was very much into the same bands and, same with Ben. Ben, Ben and Aaron, uh, like got more into hip hop a little later in the nineties. They really appreciated the tribe called quests and, and, uh, you know, all the, all the hip hop that was coming in more so than Ian and I did, but we also loved that kind of stuff too. It's just not as we were, we're guitar players and bass players. So we were drawn to that. Ben's a lyricist. He loved the hip hop and, uh, but Jane's Addiction was his favorite band. So, you know, we were all over the place and we still are. And I think that's maybe why we're a unique band. The All right. So the last random one they have here, out of all your band members, which one annoyed you the most? Like they might not annoy you now, but when you were on touring, there was kind of like, all right, Jesus, get away from me. I need space. 
Ah, oh, man. <laughs> They're probably Aaron, all going to say you. <laughs> maybe. Uh, no, probably Aaron. You know, Aaron knows how to suck your energy. Yeah. We call him an energy sucker. Uh, so in terms of if you're just, if yeah, annoying, that is kind of a, if you, that's a specific definition because that's kind of, it's a fly funny. is annoying, you know, like yeah. it, it, it's tall, it, like, but he, he, <laughs> he could figure out ways to kind of annoy you in a, always in a comedy way for everybody else. But then like, oh man, it just so many times he would get you going in terms of like just telling you a story or something that was false and you'd be like into it. Like, and then you realize like, this is bullshit, man. So that kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he was an energy sucker. To kind of end it on a high note. So Johnny, I loved having you on. I thought the conversation was really good. Yeah, man. Uh, What is, I guess, I I know you've, cause when you mentioned earlier about like the thing about 20 years of Billy talent, I actually seen that on Instagram and I was like, I was going to bring it up, but you brought it up yourself. Which yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, we, we approved those posts today. And then, cause, um, yeah, Amazon, they put that, uh, thing up on like an ad and done in Dundas square, which is really rad. Yeah. You know, I've, I've received text messages saying, Oh, I saw your face on Dundas square today. Uh, but Ian had just randomly, he was digging through his photos and he found the, that other photo. Um, so that was kind of a cool, cool thing. It was, and it was the same day. Yeah. So with all that, like with all that being said, like 20 years of Billy town, like what has been, I guess the highlight of 20 years, because I mean, if for me, I think it's like, if I was, if someone asked me, I'd be like, well, obviously the exposure and like the memories that you have, like certain songs bring you back to certain memories. Like I can listen to fallen leaves and remember a time that I used to go up to the cabin. And I think what we call the cabin people in Ontario probably call it cottage, but it's yeah. like, like, I, I remember like, you meet someone new and then you're like, okay, this is great. And then when you hear like surrender now, when you get older, you're like, you bring back to that time frame. And I yeah. like that with songs. Like there are songs that you remember from your childhood, but they have meaning compared to like songs now. But like, I guess 20 years for you, what's like the biggest highlight for you guys or for you personally? You know, I just, I'm just so proud that we were doing it still. And we really care. And everybody's still on that page of, of, uh, you know, trying to be the, the best band in the world like you know that's kind of I, I can't pinpoint spots because the journey is just filled with so many amazing moments and it's hard to think of that kind of stuff uh right out of the blue you need triggers uh where oh you remember when we did that you remember and then it leads to another memory and you know i just love the guys in the band and i'll always appreciate the ups and downs and the fact that we're we're like brothers rather than friends um yeah i don't know i can't i i I can't answer that it's just it's just been a a wild uh just fulfilling ride and uh it's not over we're gonna continue so i was gonna clue it up with that by saying try honesty but then people would just be like really you're gonna end it with a pun i'm like (laughs) that's gonna do it for this episode of tobin tonight thanks to jonathan gallon for coming on to the show Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thank you for listening, and good night. 
The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.